Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, what in the world is going on in the world? How can we be praying the news? When you uh, hear a news story, when you hear um, when you hear the account of a storm or a war, how do you pray? I try to pray as specifically as possible, um, bringing that particular place into my mind's eye. Um, God's got the whole world in his hands. I obviously do not, but I can have the whole world in my prayers. And so today, let us be lifting up the people of California. There is a rare level four excessive rainfall risk. I don't even know what a level four excessive rainfall risk is, but it's, it's, they're going to get a lot of rain, a lot, a lot of rain. Um, remember all those times we prayed for it to rain in California? It's as if all of those prayers are being answered today. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so there are these back-to-back storms, two atmospheric rivers uh, dumping their contents upon the state of California. For So from Santa Barbara to San Francisco, um, hurricane force wind warnings, areas around Santa Barbara and San Jose um, evacuated uh, and L.A. could see up to a year's worth of rainfall in just two days. Now, granted, a year's full of rainfall in California is not the same as a year's full of rainfall in other places across the country. And even in L.A., it's not the same as it would be in extreme northern California. So um, for L.A. to be getting a year's worth of rainfall in two days is catastrophic for them, even though the totals might not sound all that extraordinary to you. So officials are warning of life-threatening flooding, mudslides, power outages. Let's be praying for the people of California. Let's hold them up in our prayers. And as over the next couple of days, you start hearing references to rain of biblical proportions, you know, as you start hearing references to the days of Noah, please, 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 like bring forward the biblical story. Hey, do you actually, you know, know the story of Noah? Um, So go back, read it. In the book of Genesis, make sure you've got the details down. Practice telling it in the mirror. Like, all right, if I have the opportunity to tell the story of Noah, what am I going to say and how am I going to talk about it? Um, yeah, when, when people in the, in the public square give any nod to the Bible, we ought to be the people who pick up um, that opportunity and tell the story. Every story is an opportunity to tell the bigger story. Every news story is an opportunity to tell a good news story. And so be sure you know and understand the, um, the redemptive narrative of the story of Noah, what the rainbow is really all about, an opportunity to redeem that in the midst of those cultural conversations as well. Again, uh, turning, the, turning the globe in our hands as we lift up our prayers today, 
Um, the United States and Britain spent the weekend striking back against those who have been targeting um, American and other Western military and commercial interests in the Middle East. So there have been um, airstrikes over the weekend against sites in Yemen that are controlled by the Houthi-backed um, rebels, or you know they're backed by Iran. So these attacks uh, against some 36 Houthi targets and 13 sites in northern Yemen um, came after the United States carried out a series of military strikes against Iranian forces and their militias in Syria and Iraq. So when we talk about the places where America, the places, this is geography, the places where America is striking back after our three service members were um, killed in a drone attack on one of our outposts in Jordan, um, the places where we have been responding include Syria, Iraq, um, Yemen. Um, so be aware of that. Um, this is a regional conflict. This isn't um, something that's just about Israel and Gaza. And this is a global conflict in terms of who is responding and how they are responding. So the Houthis have been conducting almost daily missile and drone attacks against commercial and military ships seeking to transit the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. And they have made clear that they have no intention of scaling back their attacks, even though there is pressure from um, American and British um, forces. So it seems a good time to remind ourselves that there is a difference between the mission of a government, or in this case, governments, ours included, and the mission of Christians as the people of God in the world today. And so when we talk about governments striking back, um, governments are seeking to protect their own They are seeking to exert power and influence over the kingdoms of this world. The followers of Christ have a very different command. The followers of Christ are not a government. The followers of Christ are people who are here as ambassadors of a kingdom that's not of this world. It has broken into this world by the coming of Christ, but it is not fully manifest here and won't be until he returns. The followers of Christ are commanded to turn the other cheek, embrace weakness, forego retaliation, Never pick up an offense. Leave revenge to God. Different kingdom, different interests, different pursuits, different strategies. It is imperative that you and I, as citizens of the kingdom, big K, remember the teachings of Christ and the ways of Christ in a world where um, revenge is literally the way of the world. So I'll remind you of this from Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, don't even resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. Somebody wants to sue you, take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Somebody forces you to go one mile, go with them too. What does that practically mean to you today? What... What do these teachings of Jesus practically mean to you today? Let's be praying the news and let's be walking in the way of Christ in the days in which he has ordained that we should live. The Grammys were last night. Uh, Taylor Swift definitely uh, headlined um, 
def- definitely headlined the event. Uh, Travis Kelsey, if you were looking for him, he wasn't at the Grammys. She will be at the Super Bowl, even though she is performing in Japan on the same day. And that could lead us into um, a, a chorus of It's a Small World After All. And you're going to say, how does that connect to Elizabeth Newman, who helps us understand sort of the global threat assessment? Um, yeah. Well, Taylor Swift, uh, there's a conspiracy. Um, yeah, there's a conspiracy there as well. Yeah, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the cyber threat coming out of China. We're going to talk about um, the Grammys last night and Taylor Swift. Yeah, we got it all, man. We got it all. Elizabeth Newman is up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Elizabeth Newman is here again today. She's a security analyst. Um, Elizabeth, are you here to announce that you have an album dropping in April? No, but I do feel like Taylor stole my thunder because my book comes out like four days after her album. Do you think anybody will even pay attention to her album is just a setup? It's just a setup for your book. You think? think? Yes. I've got to find the angle. (laughs) We can work on that. What's the uh, title of your book so that we can be uh, praying in that direction? Yeah, it's Kingdom of Rage, The Rise of Christian Extremism and the Path Back to Peace. Wow. All right. Awesome. Kingdom of Rage. Maybe maybe a little maybe. heavier than, than Taylor, but... I don't know. I don't know. Her, if she, you know, just imagine that she, that the album, that her album title had been Kingdom of Rage, and then you'd have been like, oh, oh my gosh. Look at this. Yeah. All right. So... We are not going to lead off uh, in our conversation about Taylor Swift and the conspiracy conspiracy theories um, surrounding her. Instead, I would like for you to lead off with sort of the, the top story this past week in your sphere of influence. Um, you would describe it as Ray and Easterly. So um, who are Ray and Easterly? What did they say? Where did they say it? And what does it mean for me? Okay, so here's my bottom line up front. We heard from our country's lead counterintelligence officer, that's FBI Director Ray, and our lead cybersecurity officer, that is CISA Director Jen Easterly, last week at a congressional hearing. And they basically said that China's cyber attacks have shifted. They are no longer just focused on espionage and data theft. They are doing things that a country does when they're preparing for war. So we, there was a, a hearing last year where we got some insight into this. So it's not brand new, but the the it's definitely expanded um, and it's definitely continued, which are very concerning. So. Um, what do you do when you're preparing for war? You are embedding malware and um, tr- basically trying to get into the systems that we would need to use in the event of a war. So they're targeting military bases, but not just military bases. They're targeting the infrastructure around military bases. And, um, you know, if if the uh, focus is, say, Guam, which is definitely one of the locations they mentioned, um, for for those of us in the United States, we might think, well, you know, Guam, it's, a, it's an island way out in the Pacific. It's mostly a military base at this point. No big deal, right? But they're also targeting um, Camp Pendleton or uh, bases that are inside the uh, continental United States. 
Um, and they're targeting the infrastructure around those spaces, which means they're targeting civilians as well. They're trying to get into water systems, power systems, rail services. And part of what seems to be a shift is that they're moving beyond just those military centric targets. They're just trying to target U.S. critical infrastructure in general. So you don't even have to live near a military base to have concerns here. The uh, they, they are looking for targets of opportunity. Um, I love this quote from Jen Easterly. She said, this is truly an everything everywhere all at once scenario. And it's one where the Chinese government believes that it will likely crush American will for the U.S. to defend Taiwan in the event of a major conflict there. So this is this is part of their long game strategic end of trying to take back Taiwan. And they are preparing to be able to make life very difficult for the us in the United States um, if they decide to do that invasion. Anytime we talk about um, China and the long game that China is playing, I am just reminded that they think in terms of like a thousand years and we think in yes. terms of like a two year political cycle. And um, and so uh, we also think in terms of um, history that is linear from creation to new creation. We, you know, this re this long redemptive arc. They don't. They think in terms of um, history as cyclical, um, always folding in again over on itself. Um, I do think that when we when we have these worldview conversations, we make the assumption that people think like we think and that people want what we want, that people are operating out of uh, of any kind of similar worldview. And it really the Chinese worldview could not be more different um, than the one that a Christian in America is operating out of. And so this is a story that we will absolutely continue to revisit. Um, Elizabeth, we have uh, a person on the text line asking a quick question. I'm going to ask the question, and then I'm going to have you answer it when we come back from the break. Um, ask Elizabeth if she heard about the administrative break during a football game last week because there was an unauthorized drone overhead. We're going to talk with Elizabeth about um, things like that. Um, up next, I'm going to ask her if she saw a, a Wall Street Journal piece um, entitled Welcome to Dearborn, America's Jihad Capital. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. We're going to touch on all of it. And yes, Taylor Swift. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. All right, we are going to have a series of two-minute top-line conversations with Elizabeth Newman. She's a security analyst. Um, all right, Elizabeth, we are going to take these in order. Um, we have folks on the text line asking all kinds of questions. And so I think before we talk about how do we just respond to drones at football games, uh, Taylor Swift and the conspiracy and um, this conversation about what happens maybe when a community is outed 
for a particular worldview um, or a population. Um, let's do this. Let's do two minutes on what you know, if anything, about the bill that has been unveiled um, by this bar- bipartisan group of senators. It is the immigration bill. Um, what, what do you what do you know so far? Well, I spent a couple of hours last night and this morning reading people's responses to it. And um, I think the good news is you have reasons in the bill for uh, staunch conservatives and staunch progressives to hate it. So it might mean that it's in the sweet spot. Um, I, I, It's weird to think that we need to do this, but just a reminder that the way that our constitution is set up, compromise is not a dirty thing. Compromise is baked into the system. So there are a lot of compromises here, but as a security person, I will tell you, this is the strongest security bill I've seen And we have gone through attempts in 2008, 2014, 2018 during the Trump administration, never got an agreement. And the text in this bill is significantly stronger than any of those previous bills. So it would definitely help strengthen our security if we could get it passed. Now, that's a totally separate question. That's not looking very promising. But um, there we do have for those uh, listeners who Um, come at the question of immigration from a biblical perspective, which I do as well. I will say that I think this um, treats um, our Afghan um, refugees that are in the country with great respect. The Afghan Adjustment Act is included in this, um, and that has been something we've been advocating to get passed for the last two years, and um, it's the right way to help the men and women that helped us in Afghanistan the last 20 years. Um, so that's good news. It also creates a faster process for asylum, um, which in my mind creates, uh, is, is a more humane way to be dealing with asylum claims. Um, so there, there are definitely things in here that are going to feel a little strict. Um, some of them are sunsetted. They're only um, uh, last for three years, but it's to try to get a hold on the unprecedented numbers that we are dealing with at the border. We we really just don't have the capacity to deal with the numbers we're dealing with. And there is no indication that those numbers are going to go down anytime soon. So we we do need to make some big structural changes to make to kind of shake up the cartel's economic system that is driving these numbers and and get a better grap- grapple on our southern border so that we can then and and what I would hope for is create more legal pathways for people to find citizenship here in the United States. So lots of details that I'm leaving out here, but my top line is I'm very pleased and I hope it passes. And I think the fact that Senator Lankford has been engaged in this, um, if you're on the conservative side, that should hearten you. Um, You also have, if you're on the the progressive side, you have, um, they are probably more moderate voices, but Kristen Sinema, who's an Arizona senator, and uh, Chris Murphy, um, who were the lead negotiators. These are good faith um, uh, senators who who are trying to do better on the border. And if we if we think it's a security crisis, this helps us with that. It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but it is a step in the right direction. It's so good. Um, yes, and uh, every time you hear today that quote, "The devil is in the details." I want you as a Christian to um, to to speak Christ over that. 
Um, so as you're as you're hearing this debate in the culture today and, and somebody just, you know, wags their head and said, well, you know, the devil's in the details. You as a Christian step into that space and um, and and ask God to be sovereign uh, over the details as well. There'll be more on this in the coming days um, for sure. Um, all right. Um, how do we as uh, the United States of America respond to drones at football games? Because this did not come as a surprise to security officials that there was a drone over a football game. Yes, this has been a problem uh, for some time. Actually, at, when I worked at DHS, I had the policy responsibility for DHS's authority to counter drones in different parts of the United States. And football stadiums was one of those places that we we often um, would set up to try to, uh, uh, but usually not every football game. Usually it was like the Super Bowl or um, a location where we um, had reason to be concerned. So um, drones do fly into stadiums. We do get concerned that drones can, uh, and we see this overseas, small commercial off-the-shelf drones can carry explosives. Um, They can cause damage. Uh, They can be used to disperse uh, aerosol, uh, you know, chemicals and biological weapons. Um, It is extremely unlikely for that to happen in the United States. But anytime you get a mass group of people together, uh, you do increase your concern that a drone could cause significant damage. So uh, we do have um, capabilities. They are not widespread, but we do have some capabilities to try to uh, mitigate drones. We, By the way, we do not shoot them down. That would be very dangerous. It's a, an electronic means of disruption. All right. And then um, I know you're not fully read in on this, so I don't expect you to comment on the details, but... Um, uh, over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal published an opinion piece called Welcome to Dearborn, America's Jihad Capital. Dearborn, Michigan has has now responded by bracing itself for all kind of um, Islamophobic, anti, uh, anti-Muslim activism, activism and threats. Um, while we won't get into the details, just just talk with us about how communities respond when they are targeted by their neighbors. Yeah, I- it's just su- stupidly um, irresponsible in my mind. Uh, I, I know that headline writers are trying to get clicks, uh, but the, in my opinion, the editorial staff should not have allowed that headline to go out. Um, jihad, of course, in America uh, is mostly associated with violent jihad. Um, and and there is, a, a in the Muslim faith, a, a different interpretation of jihad, but I think the average American is not going to necessarily know that ne- nuance. So by writing a headline like this, you, you basically are saying like, hey, this community is the source of uh, you know, violence and, and terrorism. And that's, that is not an accurate representation of Dearborn, Michigan. Um, it is not an accurate representation of Muslims in America. And this particular article is, you know, it's focusing on the situation occurring with Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran. And there are protesters who are supportive of Hamas, Hezbollah and Iran. And I think we should uh, be able to have a conversation about having concern that there are people who hold those beliefs and and why do they hold those beliefs without labeling an entire community that somehow they're terroristic. Um, It's just deeply irresponsible. All right, we're going to be praying um, for and with churches in those communities as well, because they're obviously on the front lines of those conversations. Um, All right, uh, we don't have a lot of time, 
to talk about it. But because a lot of people in the culture are talking about it, conspiracy theories, um, Taylor Swift at the center of them. Um, can can you just, I don't know, make a comment? <laughs> so uh, this started trending about two weeks ago, and there are lots of theories about why it is very possible that there are uh, you know, influencers out there trying to get attention, and they thought that this was a good way to get that attention and get clicks. Um, but it kind of took on uh, a world of its own. I, I don't think that this is going to go the way of QAnon um, in terms of something to to be concerned about. Uh, it, it is almost more funny to watch. But um, as it started to go increasingly viral, that uh, and I guess I should back up and say there's a conspiracy theory that Taylor Swift is and by the way there's like multiple versions of this but basically she's being propped up by the CIA um, or the Department of Defense depends on the theory um, and that the whole relationship she has with Travis Kelsey is not real and this is just um, an effort to help Joe Biden win his reelection by putting. Taylor Swift in the spotlight during football. And along with these theories are things like the Super Bowl has already been baked. We already know that, uh, you know, Kansas City is going to win because then Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift get more uh, attention and then Joe Biden gets to win the election. Right. So there, these conspiracy theories are coming from the far right and they're trying to suggest that uh, the deep state is politically manipulating the, the country. The thing that I w- just want to remind us all as we're laughing at the absurdity of it is that our foreign enemies are taking advantage of it. And so some of the virality of it might actually be inauthentic, meaning it might not actually be Americans engaging with this conspiracy theory. It might be Russian troll farms uh, and bots that have been programmed to try to take advantage of any controversy to sow that discord in our community. I think the good news is this doesn't seem to have caught fire. I think most people roll their eyes and find it a little humorous. Um, but for those who who are kind of possibly dabbling in it, sometimes reminding people that um, our enemies, uh, particularly Russia, likes to likes to to mess with us and find ways to create discord. And you know, man, if you can drive discord into Taylor Swift and American football, like that's success. I I think Mm -hmm. they're going to fail, but I do think that that's part of what we're seeing here and why it's gone so viral. I mean, you know, Elizabeth, it's why she won a Grammy last night. That's right. That's I'm just saying like the conspiracy is the conspiracy. It covers all things. Um, All right. We have to leave it right there. Elizabeth, um, as always, thank you so much. Um, We, our prayers will go forth as the, you finalize, uh, your book, and it comes out in a few months. Um, so you heard it here first, in case you hadn't heard it already, Kingdom of Rage uh, coming out in just a few months. And we look forward to talking with Elizabeth about the the path of peace um, uh, out, of, out of that. So um, a little good news today, really good news, actually. New York City said last month that it was going to invest $18 million to, car- to cancel $2 billion in medical debt. Um, Connecticut uh, has now also announced that um, their state it plans to become the first state in the nation to cancel medical debt um, 
freeing up eligible Connecticut residents from about a billion dollars in medical bills. And it's only going to cost the state, right, six and a half million dollars from their COVID era American Rescue Plan Act. Now, I recognize that six and a half million dollars um, is a lot of money for the state to be spending on um, the transfer of debt. But let me just say this. It's a pretty good deal if you're going to eliminate a billion dollars of medical debt for the people of your state um, who are suffering under that burden, and it's going to cost you six and a half million. How is that? How, how is that possible? Well, do you recall all the conversations we've had over time with the guys from um, Rip Medical Debt, Rest in Peace Medical Debt? Yeah, that's exactly who's involved in all of this. So um, lift that up today as an item of prayer and thanksgiving. Um, and um, and yeah, and let's be thinking about maybe your local church, maybe a group near you could actually pay off the debt of people in your community who are suffering under such a great burden. All right, um, we're going to talk next about what it means to come to the table. Who's at the table? How do you get a seat at the table? And the table we're talking about is the table of the Lord. So when was the last time you took communion? Maybe you call it the Lord's Supper at your church. When was the last time you participated in communion. It's an act of the whole church, the whole body of Christ, every member partaking as one body. Not just the people who are present at a particular celebration in a particular moment, but everyone everywhere all the time. It is the communion of the saints, all of us. We are one. What does it look like to manifest the truth of our unity in Christ as we come to the table? And what might a table coalition look like? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When's the last time you were invited to come to the table? What does that mean to you? Um, How are you in relationship with, as the body of believers, um, at the table of Christ? What does that look like and what does that mean? The Table Coalition um, is a, an effort, a, an organization, a movement of, uh, of men and women across the United States seeking to bring Christians of every uh, variety together at the table. We're going to talk about that with Forrest Lyman from the Table Coalition. Forrest, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thanks, Carmen. Good morning. Good to be with Good you. Good morning. Yeah, so um, I would say that, you know, the reality behind all of this is that the world needs Jesus. The United States needs Jesus. Each and every one of us needs Jesus. So maybe um, to get to know you, we could actually start with your Jesus story, if that's, um, if you're good with that. Like, you know, you needed Jesus. How did you come to know the love of Jesus? Absolutely. So uh, I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And I would say my generation in particular needs Jesus. So I'm, I'm part of Gen Z. So this would be, uh, you know, a lot of the children that exist in schooling today. So those born between 1997 and 2012. Uh, so uh, Barna Group came out with a study that 4% of my generation have a biblical worldview, uh, which is decreased from 12% for millennials. Uh, so I was in New York City uh, in my dream job. Uh, I had just gotten it out of undergraduate school. Um, And by worldly standards, my world was great. But at that time, I was feeling the worst I ever had, full of anxiety, fear of the future, but everything on the outside looked good. 
Uh, so I really had no one to turn to at a time when uh, I had a lot of support from friends and family, but they didn't necessarily know what I was going through. Uh, but God saw me in that. I had grown up in the church, but maybe didn't comprehend the gospel fully for myself. Uh, and then in 2018, uh, I gave my life to Christ and everything since then has changed. Uh, and then around 2020, when the pandemic took place um, and uh, mental health uh, crisis started to come out around my generation, I really felt a burden uh, to share the gospel more, to share my faith more um, and make my faith not just an inward expression, but an outward one where I could live on mission for him. Forrest, thank you so much. Um, there are a lot of folks listening right now for whom faith has been an inward experience, a personal experience, maybe an experience that they have shared in the context of a local church, but that's it. That's as far as it goes. It's up to other people to work with other Christians. Uh, you know, like we've outsourced, we've outsourced that. Talk with us about the Table Coalition and how each and every one of us must actually must move from an inward posture to an, an outward focused posture with one another, but toward, toward a world desperate to know Jesus. Absolutely. So the Table Coalition uh, was actually formerly known as the Mission America Coalition that came out of uh, the Lausanne Congress, the first Lausanne Congress in 1974. Um, so with John Stott and Dr. Billy Graham, um, and essentially the Table Coalition, in the name, uh, there's this phrase and ethos of God invites us to the table, um, which is this foundational belief that uh, of God's inclusive nature, an invitation to all people to partake in his grace and fellowship. And it's not just for one group of people, but it's for all of us. And so uh, that God inviting us to the table is really around uh, inclusivity and diversity not for the sake of diversity, but for the sake of God's plan and God's mission and God's purposes, that diversity really is, is God's purpose before it's any corporate purpose. Or, and so uh, we, we value diversity, collaboration, spiritual, spiritual nourishment, um, and really that it's important to come together because we are the church. Uh, it is not subject to a building, but it's all of us together. Uh, advancing the kingdom of God effectively. And that usually means coming together, um, praying for each other, caring for each other, uh, sharing in what God is doing uniquely uh, within our context, within our church, within our homes. Um, and when we do that, uh, God continues to work through us powerfully through his Holy Spirit and advances his mission. If you're listening right now and you heard a prayer, care, share thread in there, um, if you remember Love 2020, if you um, remember uh, or were ever a part of the Mission America Coalition, I was. I uh, I led a um, I led a uh, a sphere um, group for the Mission America Coalition a number of years ago. Um, if you know and are aware of um, Luzon, um, and you're praying toward the, uh, the the Luzon event this September in uh, in Seoul, Korea, this is a part of all of those conversations, or all of those conversations are a part of this conversation. So it is now called the Table Coalition, and you can find it at tablecoalition.org. Might be a new name, 
but the work is not new. There is a history here of the Table Coalition um, that reaches back to the recognition that the work of Christ in the world is not done. And the people who Christ has in the world today um, need to come together in order that the world might be reached with the love of God in Christ Jesus. So, um, Forrest, tell us a little bit about the strategy. How does the Table Coalition do its work? Yeah, um, so we have a massive network of people that maybe were a part of Mission America formerly uh, or have been a part of the Table Coalition in, in recent years. Um, but we still have a partnership. We have weekly prayer calls that are going on uh, and a newsletter that we keep in touch with this network. But in the future, we want to actually engage with the younger generations more. Um, And so what we saw over the course of 2020 and 2021 was a lot of young people uh, that were bold in their faith and that wanted a seat at the table as well. Um, And so we believe, you know, the Table Coalition is well positioned to engage with uh, younger leaders as well um, as existing leaders, those that have gone before, uh, people like myself. And so we want the Table Coalition to be a, a resource of connecting the young and the old. It's really that Joel 2 and Acts 2 collaboration and unity uh, that we see where uh, the young men will have visions and the old men will dream dreams. And uh, we believe that the Table Coalition uh, moving forward could be a place for young people to be encouraged in their faith. Um, you know, in 2 Timothy 4 or 5, Paul tells young Timothy to endure hardship do the work of an evangelist. Um, And so we believe that, you know, sharing your faith is difficult. Sometimes it takes courage and it is hard. Um, But what it also takes is people coming around you, encouraging you, raising your temperature to reach your friends, to reach your family members. And uh, what I've learned is that evangelism is, is less about talking and less about sharing and preaching. It's more about listening and seeing and so we, we are living in a time where people are desperate to be seen and heard. Uh, and the Table Coalition is well positioned to have those spiritual mothers and fathers and young people uh, helping each other see and hear and listen in a time where there's great division. We're in 2024 where uh, the political climate's only going to get a little bit more intense. Um, and so now is the perfect time to be light in a dark world. Um, and so the Table Coalition is going to continue to uh, rally the church to come around the table, uh, have conversation, but also encourage the younger generations to do the same. So we're talking with Forrest Lyman. He serves with the Table Coalition. Uh, I know you are wanting to connect now uh, and find resources and engage tablecoalition.org. When uh, when we come back, we're going to engage with a fan of Forrest on the text line right now. Um, just Forrest is getting a shout out on the Faith Radio text line this morning from Joe Trimble. And so, um, yeah, we're going to talk about our connectivity with one another. Um, they uh, work together at, at Pulse with our friend Nick Hall. So lots of connections already. Um, how do you see yourself as connected to the big work of God in the world? Where is your connecting point? Are you disconnected? Do you feel like um, you don't have a seat at the table? Do you feel like you are um, one of those people who could be a spiritual mother or father, but you don't really know people in emerging generations who are Christians who want to be connected and resourced, equipped, mentored? Um, This is a place where you can do that. Um, And so we want you to come to the table as well. 
tablecoalition.org. We'll continue our conversation with Forrest Lyman here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. We're talking with Forrest Lyman, who apparently has more than one fan listening now because somebody in Fargo says, hey, I'm a fan of Forrest, too. So there you go. Um, if you're a Forrest fan, you know Forrest Lyman. Now's your time to jump on the text line, 877-933-2484. Uh, Forrest serves with Pulse, um, if you are familiar with Nick Hall and his work, Um He also serves with the Table Coalition. That's what we're talking about today, tablecoalition.org. Forrest, you you had your dream job in New York. What was that? And what is your job now? Yeah, my dream job in New York was what a lot of people go to New York for, and that's being in the the world of uh, finance. Uh, So I was in banking. Uh, It was a great job. I think it was... um, different from what I expected, uh, just at the time, uh, idolizing what the world was putting and placing value on and, uh, pursued that path. Um, but now I took a step away, uh, from that career to serve, uh, both with the table coalition and pulse, uh, which has been such a joy. Uh, pulse has a great training program called the pulse 100 program that I got, uh, to be a part of where there was a hundred young people from across the country that got to be poured into intentionally by leaders that have uh, been doing evangelism, sharing their faith, uh, working with the church. Um, And I was poured into, and I was really uh, catalyzed uh, to reach my own community back uh, where I was from and uh, continued on that journey and eventually ended up leaving uh, New York city to come to Minneapolis to serve with pulse um, with special projects, uh, uh, sitting close to uh, leadership there, uh, just helping them deploy um, the ministry. And so it's been a great joy. And now uh, getting to help with the Table Coalition, sitting on its board, uh, can't wait for the future. I love that. That's so fun. That's so great. Um, when you, uh, you know, when you talk about the the transformation that you experience by being a part of, let's say, Pulse 100, like a program that's intentionally investing um, in younger believers, um, and how do you, how do you sort of magnify that? Um, there are people listening right now who are like, "Hey, I I want to be engaged with." Um, the way the gospel is going forth. How can just like a regular person get engaged with the Table Coalition? A regular person can firstly just go to the website, the Table Coalition, learn a little bit more about our what we do. Our history is very uh, compelling and rich uh, and really is what um, the Table Coalition was birthed out of, a rich history of of leaders that have since passed that burned in the same direction for people that to know Jesus uh, and to come around the table and unify. And so we want to do the same. There's ways to engage. Um, you can actually join the prayer calls. Uh, you can actually start your own table uh, movement in your city where you're meeting uh, on a regular basis to discuss things happening in your city. And we can help you do that. Uh, so just go to our website at tablecoalition.org. Um, and there's plenty of ways to get started. We also provided uh, some resources there and some training resources as well. 
And it's possible that there's already a table coalition um, gathering in your city. And so that is a place for you to connect um, as well. Um, I also think one of the things I really, really appreciate about the Table Coalition is the focus on recognizing that every single one of us, every single one of us sits at a table at some point in time. And so how can every table um, become like a space for not just relationships, but conversations about things that really matter? Um, So every table that you sit at today, maybe you're sitting at a conference table, maybe you're sitting at a coffee table. Um, I don't know um, what table you will find yourself at today, um, but how could that table, wherever you're sitting, how could that table become a space for relationships to be built and for real conversations that really matter to be shared? Um, And then ultimately, you know, our hope and goal is that we are building the kinds of relationships that grow in the direction of being able to share Jesus. Um, People are going to experience him first by our love, the way we love one another and the way we love them. Um, We're going to be praying for the people with whom we are sitting at table. We're going to be praying for them in the moment. We're going to be praying for them after we part ways. We're going to be praying that God would give us another opportunity to care for them tangibly and serve them in meaningful ways that indeed they might see the love of God in and, and, and through us. And that, yeah, all of that, all of that might establish the kind of relationship through which um, the opportunity to share the love of Jesus in terms of um, our testimony and our witness, um, like that's the way those opportunities are created. So um, love what the Table Coalition is doing. I would love for you to check out what they're doing and get engaged. Tablecoalition.org. Forrest, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Carmen. This has been awesome. Do you know who your fan is in Fargo who's on my text line right now? Just checking. I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm Let's sure see. I'm a fan of that. He as met well. you at a banquet. This is how fun this is. Uh, this individual, and I don't actually don't know if it's a uh, let's see. Um, you have a really close relationship with your dad and you really honor him, and this person loves that about you. How sweet is that? And they met you at a banquet in Dallas. There you go. That's all I know. Friend in Fargo. I love the connections that we have with each other. And when that person met you at that uh, table in um, in Dallas, um, you obviously gave honor to your dad. So how cool is that? Little hats off for us to you today and your witness at a table in Dallas. Thank you, That's Carmen. It. That's what we got, man. Thank you so much. What yeah. a blessing to connect with you. That's Forrest Lyman. You can find him uh, at pulse.org or tablecoalition.org. We've been talking today about the Table Coalition. I'd love for you to get engaged personally and to learn how to set the table right where you are. Whatever table you're sitting at can be a table where relationships are cultivated and the opportunity to share Jesus is lived out. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Oh. (laughs) And Paul, the producer, says, you're not done talking yet. You're supposed to keep talking until the end of the show. Yes, in fact, I will do that because I want to share with you this one news item. There was a pigeon suspected of spying for China. Did you know that? Apparently, the Indian government uh, took this pigeon into custody um, a number of months ago. He's actually been in custody for eight months during the investigation of his pigeon spying. But he's now been released. Um, The bird's case made global headlines as a spy animal. But, you know, he's not the first spy animal. 
<laughs> Your enemy, the devil, he's prowling around all the time looking for someone to devour. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Change the whole script on this. Why are you discouraged? Even if shadows come, why should your heart feel lonely? His eye is on the sparrow. He's always watching you. Sing because you're happy today, because his eye is on the sparrow. Forget the pigeons and all those other spying, lurking creatures. And just remember, God's eye is on you today, and he loves you very much. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.